Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Show. We are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I am your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we've got uh, Sean Lewis joining us uh, from down south. Sean, um, getting close to a moving in. Also, uh, if you notice, if you're if you're checking out the video feed, Sean Lewis has got the fancy new Big Sky throwback tee from Homefield Tees, or Homefield Apparel. We do. How's it feel, man? Is it, is it nice? It's soft. It's soft and comfy, and everybody should buy one. Uh, support support the conference. Let's, let's uh, not let the U fans and their Pac-12 stickers have all the fun. Um, so yeah, no, we're great. This is this is second uh, temporary Casa de Lewis. We're we're moving in uh, here in about a month. So uh, you're you're at the second temporary house here in Mount Pleasant, and uh, and we're we're going we're going from there. Counting the days. Also on the show tonight, we have Dustin Chappie Chapman, fresh off of a road trip uh, from down south, I hear. Road trip. Uh, <laughs> listen, it's got to spend time with the, the old man. That's, that's pretty much what it comes down to. But on the topic of those T-shirts, they are awesome. They, that's an excellent logo for a summer camp. Whatever, whatever that, what whatever is that logo is. Oh. What? Beautiful logo for a summer camp. <laughs> John Casper or anybody at the conference, if you ever hear this, um, make sure that you boo Chappie when you see him in public. Okay. If, if John Casper or Commissioner Wister still hear that, uh, I know Chappie's home address where we can send some uh, bags of uh, you know what. I, I I think they're cool. I just that's that's what that logo looks like. It's great. Ridiculous. All right, folks. Uh, no so, class. No class, man. So on today's show, we got a player interview for you. We are joined by sophomore running back Dante McMillan. He's back to hang out with us and talk a little bit about this season so far. Uh, then we're going to do a game recap. Obviously going to talk about the homecoming game against Eastern Washington on Saturday night uh, and the dub that ensued at Stewart Stadium. Good crowd, too. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then I've got a special segment for our panel tonight. I'm going to call it Wildcat 30 for 30. I've got some things lined up and I want to know if they could pick one particular team to do a 30 for 30 about in several sports, who would it be? So before we get into all that, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I've been noticing a lot of people have been sharing, letting people know about Weber State Weekly. Appreciate you folks for doing that on social media, letting everybody know about Weber State Weekly, about the words uh, that we're trying to get out about Wildcat Athletics. Obviously, I mean, the Wildcats are 5-0 and right now, only the second time in program history, an opportunity to go 6-0 and this weekend up in Portland. Um, a lot of good things happening at Weber State right now. And so we appreciate all of you all sharing Weber State Weekly's content, letting folks know about the good things that are happening at Weber State Weekly. Thank you. We also, of course, social media. That's where you can share that. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, places to find us. And then Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly and become a patron. Appreciate all of our patrons for helping us keep the lights on here at Weber State Weekly. Um, couldn't do it without you folks. So really, really thank you so much. Uh, and then I guess last thing that I should shout out here before we get into the interview with DMAC is uh, so for those of you that participated and donated to the turnover belt, I uh, got a message this week uh, that it will be done. So uh, should hopefully see it on the sidelines very, very soon. So we will keep you all updated if you are following on the uh, on the GoFundMe. Uh, I'll provide some updates there. And also thank you to everybody who donated. We donated all the excess last week to uh, the football fund, um, about $47. So thank you to everyone who participated in that. And hopefully we'll see the turnover bell soon. But now we want to welcome in, like we said, sophomore running back Dante McMillan, back for the second time on Weber State Weekly. DMAC, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us tonight, man. Really appreciate you. Appreciate y'all, man. Yeah. And so, DMAC, we want to start off by, I mean... Now this is a, a a new offensive regime. Um, but so we want to talk a little bit about the coaching staff at first. We had Coach Mental on to begin the season, uh, talking a little bit about you know what his thing was about with Coach Mental coming from back east in Ohio. You know we weren't super familiar with his systems. Had to do a little bit of digging to find out the kinds of offenses that he ran at Notre Dame College. Um, so talk to us a little bit about how you guys are settling in because Coach promised a balanced offense, and I think so far we've seen that. Um, plus, you know, you guys are sharing the ball quite a bit within the running back room. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, gelling and how you feel that the uh, the new offense is clicking. Um, just getting to know Coach Mental the first day, like in fall camp when we were training all that stuff, I feel like I really like him as a coach, you know, and he's really like he's really like a good offense coordinator. Like I like how he keeps us motivated, 
you know, and just tell us like set us each goal, you know what I mean? And I feel like he's just really a great coach to me and he really makes me like a better player than I ever was, you know what I mean? So I feel like for him, like just doing a fast tempo offense and just being balanced is really great for everybody. So everybody can eat, everybody can make plays, you know, and then that's just good because I feel like it was way better than this last year to this year, you know what I mean? So I just feel like for him coming in and stepping up to be the best corner we got, you know, that's just good, you know? Yeah. Marked improvement already from last season. Obviously, DMAC, you, you know, you were on the team in the spring season and also in the fall last year. And so, you know, you, you have that perspective of seeing it both ways. Um, but also wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, this is your second season now with coach uh, Robert Conley, who is coaching the running backs now with, with coach Q, you know, leaving to go to the Jackson Jill, Jacksonville Jaguars for a short period now back in Salt Lake. But uh, with his alma mater, but I um, mean, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the relationship that you've grown with Coach Conley, because, I mean, we haven't seen a drop at all in production from the running back position at Weber State. I mean, even though Coach Q moved on to the NFL for a short time, the running backs consistently continued to produce and there was no dip at all. So talk to us a little bit about how, what, you know, what might have changed, but also how you guys have been able to remain consistent uh, at your position, because it's been, I think, a really, really helpful part of the offense. Sure, just getting because Colin really my it's my dog, you know what I mean. I love him yeah. to death. So being just being in the meeting room with Coach Conley has been really great. You know, he he also played offensive lineman at University of Utah. So like me understanding like just like the terminology he'd be saying about understanding like who and who we need to read and how we need to read the defense. You know what I mean? So I feel like that really is, really is a big key because offensive lineman like he knows he knows everything about it. Like you know like what front is it? Like he'd be a cub front, tout front, don't matter. So it's me understanding his terminology has really helped me as a running back to understand like which hole I need to read like and just use my instincts and he's very like he's very motivated I like his passion that's the thing I really love about him like you know it makes me seem like oh he still loves he still he still wants to play football you know and yeah. that just makes even more that just makes me laugh because like just me seeing him just coaching us and just making us better has really like helped me and my teammates as players Sean yeah. Chappie questions for DMAC yeah DMAC um just to, to hop on that line of questioning, that running back room is stacked. We, we've thought it all year. We've talked about it all season. Yep. Uh, a lot of great guys in there. What's it like to feed off of each other? How, how are you guys getting along and just making sure that it, it's clear to me that you guys are all feeding off each other in the games. Like it's, it's fun to watch. You guys are all having fun together. What's it like in that room with, with, with those, with all the other backs? Shoot, being being in the room with all my with my with my running backs is very great. You know, our relationship is very tight. So like I feel like that's the first thing that is important is our relationship with each other and always keeping each other motivated to do better. You know what I mean? Like it can doesn't matter if we mess up or not, we're always gonna stick to the script and just really just keep motivating us to do better. You know what I mean? Like being with Damon, Josh, Chris Jackson, uh Steven, like everybody else, it's just really just a big key. Like just to like I feel like it's the first thing as a team and as a in that being a position. Like we have to have a great relationship for us to like be successful in each game doesn't matter which game it is you know so I feel like I really love them for that and that's like the best energy that we got for each other you know so that's why I just feel like that's the best thing is to always just be be motivated Dante I want to talk about the uh, yeah I want to talk about the the coaches a little bit in in halftime adjustments um, we've noticed over the years that the Weber State seems to be a stronger second half team. The Jay Hill seems to be a real master of the halftime adjustments. What kind of things go on in the locker room? What What are your coaches telling you as you go in that makes the team, and or maybe what's the preparation during the week that happens that makes this team stronger in the second half? We saw in uh, in on Saturday's game that the score was basically tied going into the fourth quarter, and you guys pulled away, and we've we've seen that in several of the victories this year. Oh no! It looks like we might have lost. Yeah, 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 we can hear you, man. Oh, sorry, it's the cut out. My, my bad. I didn't hear him. So, what? Can you answer that question? Can you say the question again? I'm so sorry. No, just just talk about about the coup to prepare you during the week, and then specifically at halftime to make the make the Wildcats a stronger team in the second half. 
So like, yeah, so what I think what helps us is like just being the halftime, being in the locker room, like like we have always have like a code, like we always buy a body plan to win. So the plan to win is like this. It's first is play great special teams, two, win over a terminal margin, score touchdowns in the West zone, play great defense and win the fourth quarter. I feel like that's the biggest key of of us team because we always have to buy a plan to win every week. We play different teams, you know what I mean? So I just feel like we always use that during practice. It doesn't matter during practice and it correlates to, to the game too. So I feel like if if, if we all just abide by the plan to win, we're going to win tons of games, you know, by, and it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter any type of competition. So I feel like that really helps us succeed in the season. And then just something about, as Chappie was getting to, about the running backs room. Um, I, it feels like in, in Coach Mental's offense, there's a specific plan for everybody to get touches and everybody, get a, everybody getting an opportunity. We see a balance between uh, – uh, maybe depending depending on who's having the good day, but it feels like the the we we've got two backs each game that are getting the the load of the touches, and it it almost seems like a change of pace. You know, you're depending on the situation, you're bringing one guy in over another. Um, Could you talk about what it's like to share touches rather than being just a, a single featured back? Um, shoot, let me being a single featured back. Uh. Like, I don't know, because it's kind of, dang, it's kind of hard because, like, everybody's just so, like, the running back group is just good. Like, every running back has, like, a skill, you know what I mean? Like, their strengths that they yeah. use. Like, like for, like, for, like, for one, like, Josh Davis, he's all-around back. Uh, Demond Banks, and he's all-around back, you know? And me, I'm all-around back. And Chris Jackson, go on all-around back. So, I just feel like that's kind of just hard I because know, I love seeing them play, too. You know what I mean? They all have yeah, that, yeah. that I like. I like their running style too, and they like my running style. So like, I just feel like that's just like, man, like I just, I don't know. It's just kind of hard to say. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. Like, literally, like congratulations on your on your season high ninety three yards last week, and of course your two tutties, um in the game. That was fantastic. <laughs> so DMEC, that was actually something I was going to ask about, man, was that obviously if you look at the stats for this season, you've been heating up, man. I mean, you've been getting more opportunities, of course, but um, throughout the games as the season has worn on, you've gotten more touches and also have had more production, you know, and so broke through uh, in the Davis game, had a touchdown in that game, 52 yards on six touches. But then this weekend, nine touches, 93 yards and two touchdowns, you know, an opportunity to really make um talk to us a little bit about you know your i guess i don't want to call it your opportunities opportunities but like how it feels like you're heating up man and like now you're starting to hit your stride talk to us a little bit about that and how that's kind of worked out for you as a player going through it because there's some some big games ahead so, um so like i don't know like it's just like it's like more mental you know what i mean so like it's just me like i always put all the life stuff aside and just think about being on the field because i love i have the passion for football been playing this for 20 years of my life and it really has brought me become a better person and become a better player for myself so like I know how last year didn't go my year you know what I mean so I just want to just critique myself of not making those mistakes again and as I don't make those mistakes I'm going to show out like I did in spring year you know what I mean that's how I think like I'm trying to go back I'm trying to go back to the way 2020 was you know so that's just my mentality and just being and just doing those plays really really had me really good made me feel good because like it made me feel like okay I'm, I'm getting back to where I need to be you know I'm becoming the Don Melon personally wise, you know what I mean? And I just feel like as long as I keep st- like sticking with the script and just always motivating myself mentally, I'm gonna really gonna show out and show my skills to everybody that 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 doubted me, you know? Yeah. Chappy got one more for uh, Dante McMillan. Yeah, D Mac wanted to ask you what's it like going against our defense day in and day out, right? It feels to me like, you know, we love watching our defense, feel like it's it's the best defense in the league. Um, does it make you guys better in practice to to go against to go against a defense like ours every day? Yes, sir. Because like just being in practice against like the linebackers, the DBs, because we have a great room of DBs, linebackers, D line, you know, outside linebackers doesn't matter. Because I just feel like when we do certain things like two minute, you know, um, team run, like those are those those are the type of practices that really like make us better because it helps us like critique ourselves and like make us feel make us better of an offense. Because nobody got a better offense than us, I mean, the defense than us. You know what I mean? And like just. I don't know. It's just like our defense is way more better, you know, just other than other defense that I played. 
and they're way more physical. The way they fly around, you know, they're more like a like a savvy swaggy type. That's how I see them. You know what I mean? And I like that. And that just makes me feel feel good because I can play against I can play against better defenses, you know. But theirs is just different, you know, just different different mentality. I, I th- we've been trying to put the right word to it, and I like that savvy and swaggy. We've we've talked about like. They've got like a, they got a little bit of nastiness to them, right? Like that's, that, that's, that seems to be the thing. And they, they, they like to talk, I guess, especially the, the secondary. <laughs> so I like, I like that term for it. Swaggy and savvy. That's a good way to describe our defense. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. I, I think we need to name this turnover about the, uh, uh, Maxwell, uh, uh, and Maxwell Anderson uh, memorial belt because uh, he's going to be wearing it all season. <laughs> yeah, Maxwell yeah. good. So yeah, he's great. He yeah, he is. Uh, DMAC, one other question, man. Um, so Coach Hill has talked about. Um, I mean, last season the Wildcats had a rough go at home, man. I mean, it was tough. It was it was super weird to to, to lose so many games at Stewart Stadium. Like it was just totally uncommon for the Wildcats for that to happen. But on the road, you guys were nails, man. I mean, even the, the game up against Eastern in Cheney last year, where everybody I think had kind of basically written the Wildcats off, like they're not making the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Trash talk, trash talk. And then the Wildcats go up to the red turf and dominate. You know, that we call that the Chris Jackson game, you know, the battering ram. He had a big one, man. And so I wanted to ask you, man, I mean, do you like playing more on the road? Because it seems like the Wildcats really get up when they play on the road. But also, Stewart Stadium has been a fortress. It's been a place, you know, we've heard Coach Hill say, and if you if you ever watch, you know, some of the videos that, that that football program will put out, you know, this is our house. No one comes in here and takes what we want, right? Talk to us a little bit about that, man. Do you guys like to play on the road more? Or is it better to play at home? Because it feels like you guys have success in both. Yeah, I agree with you on that both because it's just how we handle business. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Coach Hill always, Coach Hill always tells us, like, handle business the right way, take each step at a time, and then we're going to be successful in the game. We're going to play good. We're going to fly around. And I feel like that it's the energy. I feel like that's that's what keeps us going as a team. You know, it's the energy. I feel like energy really matters because, like, when somebody when somebody plays, you know, he'll coach you like, yeah, tap the hat every time your, your friend scores, you know, every time your teammate scores, tap the hat when uh, when this person scores, you know, and just make plays. And I just feel like that's just, like, that's what he'd be telling us, and we'd be going by what he says, you know. And Coach Hill just – Coach Hill's a great head coach, you know what I mean? He taught me a lot, too. So I just feel like going by what he says is really helping us as a team to be undefeated still and successful. Mm. Chappie Sean, any final questions for D-Mac before we let him go tonight? How many, uh, how much are we going to beat Montana by in two weeks? Leave that alone, Dante. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. All right. All right. I, was, I wasn't going to say nothing like talking smack or nothing. I was just going to say, like, like, to be honest, I was going to say, like, we, I'm not worried about Montana right now because I'm, I'm me and the team focus on each game, each week. You know what I mean? It's one by one. So we're just working. Pulling uh, state right now, and that's just the main goal. And then we'll worry about in the next. That's it. That's it. Why? Wise man said, "Never lose to the green team." That's that's the that's the key right there. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll have to. It looks like DMAC dropped for just a second, but I'm sure he'll pop back on uh, in a moment and we'll just wrap up the interview. But I mean, good point, Sean. Never lose to the green teams, and I like what DMAC is saying, right? Where it's simply about, you know take care of the team in front of you. Obviously we know that the next four weeks are going to be really, really difficult. Uh, we've talked all about that all season long, but uh, I think that, you know, for us, for the Wildcats, you know, hearing DMAC just say like, it's all about Portland state right now. That's all we care about in the Montana state. Yeah. We're not trying to look past anybody. Um, it's just about the team that's in front of you right now. And then you just see what each week gives you, you know, and that's the right mentality to have, Colby. That's that's the yeah. way the coaching staff should be looking at it. The way the players should be looking at it. You know, I, non, I was looking to get the non-fan mentality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're the fans are looking past Portland State, but I'm telling you right now, Portland State could be the team that sneaks up and bites you in the behind if you're not careful. And yeah. uh, that would never happen. Uh, no, no, <laughs> yeah. not not that we were safe. Here we go. We got DMac back. Dante, can you hear us, man? Yeah, it's a connect. <laughs> That's all right, man. No, no you're good. You, you're good. I want to give you a chance to finish your thought and uh, you know and wrap it up with you, man. Yeah. So what? Uh, what? What, uh, what he was saying about Montana right now, you know, and like, and the next week is going to be a great game playing against them too, you know. But focus on each game by a step. If that, if that makes sense each week, you know. So I just feel like, like we 
go by just like that. So I feel like each week we take care of business against different teams, we're going to be good. So I ain't trying to talk shit. That's right. You know, all right, I'm going to do but remember, Dante, Wise Man said once on this very show, Weaver State should never lose to the green teams. Just remember that on Saturday. <laughs> yes, sir. Should never lose to the green teams. And uh, we'll hope it continues. So, Dante McMillan, want to thank you so much, man, for taking some time to chat with us here at Weaver State Weekly. Wish you the best of luck. Travel safely up to Portland this week. And hopefully we'll see you guys coming back with the dub, man. Have a good night, all right? Yeah, we'll see you. Good night, Dante. Thank you. Thanks, Dante. Appreciate Dante McMillan, like we said, for taking some time to to chat with us here tonight. Um, we know the student athletes are busy. Obviously, you know they're prepping for the games and they have they have homework and all kinds of stuff. So anytime they can hop on and just chat with us, we appreciate it. But now, guys, let's uh, let's take a look at the uh, the Eastern Washington game because uh, this was a big one. Um, the bye week, which is always a little bit nerve wracking, I think, right? Like we the, we've come out flat in a lot of bye weeks, and Coach Hills talked about it. They tried lots of things to kind of mix it up and. Um, I don't feel like there was a huge letdown this this time around, guys. I mean, how did you feel? Did you feel like there was a bye week slump? Was it? It felt different from years past. Not in the first quarter, there wasn't. No, no. no I mean, they, not, they not in the first hot. ten minutes. Yeah. No. no, I, 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 I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this team we we come out strong in the first quarter, and then there's like this lull in the second and third, and then we're strong again in the fourth quarter, and and it just seems to be a pattern. Uh, this year, uh, anecdotally, but uh, I love what the team did. Uh, you saw on Saturday, the Mickey Mendel had it right. We are almost yard-for-yard yard balance passing and, and rushing. It was uh, 230 yards passing, 237 yards passing, 223 yards rushing uh, on the net. Um, so we're getting what we want. Um, I felt like the Wildcats, if we're going to pick at nits, this is a great win, but what we do or what I do on the show is pick at nits. I felt like if we're going to pick at nits, we were uh, four of eleven on third downs. Seems like we couldn't sustain a couple drives. Felt like we had some penalties that pushed us behind the sticks, um, especially in the second and third quarter. There were some times that we uh, uh, were just not as disciplined as, as we needed to be. Um, that all turned around in the fourth quarter. It ended up being a, a blowout, um, and, and it, it's a good W. So, so congratulations to the team. I think, but I think if you're Jay Hill, you still got some things to work on. One thing I'll say about penalties, though, was it felt like the penalties that the Wildcats got this time around, this in this game, they were much cleaner than some of the penalties we had seen in the past. Like the the unsportsmanlike conduct of George Barrera, like what that what that was, was that penalty? The guy like that was, that was lame. That was, that was not. Yeah. It was lame. Yeah, like that a penalty or you know something that you know, they would have to talk to George about. It's like, no man, he got screwed over. Like this guy's over here. Like, you know, he's a drama major and it's like, what is this? Like, this is not soccer. Like we're playing American football, dude. So I don't or, or a penalty. How, how about the one play? I think it was in the third quarter. Uh, there was a, a mistimed snap. Uh, Bronson Barron goes down on his knee and oh. gets clotheslined and yeah. no flag. I mean, we could talk about penalties. And again, I'm not trying to make penalties the point. I don't think there's no there. I'm just saying that, that there were penalties that pushed us behind the six and that made it hard for the offense. So when you're only going four for 11 on third down, I think that was a key in the middle part of the game is, is not being able to continue those drives. But it, in, in the wash, you end up winning by 24 points. What can you complain about? Yeah. And I mean, you left a lot of points on, on the field. Right. And so we'll talk about that in a second, but I wanted to get your guys' overall impressions now. So, I mean, we've seen five weeks of the wildcats. Um, the, the schedule starts to get really real after next week, right. Where we've talked about it's Montana state, it's Montana and it's sack. I mean, this is, these are going to be three absolutely massive games and there's potential that, um, you know, teams are going to be undefeated in a couple of those, right? There's potential for that kind of a matchup where we're talking top five, top six matchup in the country going into some of those games. And so kind of what's your guys' temperature so far on the football that we've seen the Wildcats play to this point? I feel like um, I mean, we're, we're good. Like we'll say that. We're good. <laughs> we're, yeah, We're good. Like we're, we're, we're a good team. I, I, I wouldn't say we're a great team, but we're Thank good. You. Like we're really good. Um, offense, I feel like I don't know. I, I feel like we're like seventy five percent there, right? Like it, yeah. it seems like there's there's just timely mistakes still that kind of cost 
the offense and, and it leaves it for the defense to maybe to maybe bail them out or something, right? Turnovers but, are, are a yeah, big thing. The, the turnovers aren't aren't great, and there's times where we just I don't know we're not very productive, but um, but we're getting it. Like we we all I think we all agree that the offense looks much improved this year over last year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Bronson Barron is a much better quarterback this year than he was last year. T-Mac is much better this year than he was last year. Our, 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 our fleet of running backs, <laughs> that's what we're going to call them, a fleet. They are, they're, they're doing great. So it's call all vastly improved. Chappie. It's a, it's a group of wildcats. Call them a destruction. So we go. And so like, offense is good. It's just, it, it feels like they're about 75% there of, what they, what they should be. And I feel like it's going to get there. You know, we have another couple of weeks. Uh, the, the, the goal I think would be come playoff runtime that, that we're not, you know, the, uh, the defense isn't, doesn't have to be the one carrying the team every, every game. Right. And it's a good defense. So it should, but uh, if, if there's a day where, where offense is dominating that, that makes it, that makes it better for the defense. So I, I want to agree with everything my friend Chappie has just said. Um, I also want to say our defense has given up 11.8 points per game this season. Um, it, if that trend continues, not bad. <laughs> we're doing okay. Yeah. yeah, especially when the offense is putting up 36 points per game, right? Um, that's, that's, that's a pretty good spread right there and, and pretty good, uh, comparison. Um, I like where the team is at. I, I really think that right now, the team that beats us is ourselves. And, yeah. and if we play our game and do what we're supposed to do, um, I think we're good. I actually like that. Uh, I don't want to look past Portland. Portland's a big game and, and we need to play on Saturday. Yeah. They but I like there, that right? we get. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they beat us on don't, the road, you know. So don't don't respect. look past them. Don't look past them. But what I'm going to say here is, I, I like that we play Montana at home before we go to Bozeman. I and no, no it's I, the reverse. No, no, flip, the reverse. Yeah, it's it's MSU first in Bozeman, then Montana, then Montana in August. Oh, my apologies. Then forget what I was just going to say. <laughs> no, and, and I don't mean to insinuate that I don't think our offense is good. They are. It, they're just it, the off. It, they're still, I guess, inexperienced with the new offensive scheme. There is that the best way to say it. There's lots of individual bright spots, and I think they're well on their way to being a, a very successful offense by the end of the year. Yeah, I think that. Um, so, uh, taking it to the Eastern game here, the game in front of us. We've seen the Wildcats come out of the gate, like uh, I think, like you said, Sean. Where we've seen this pattern, where like the Wildcats come out swinging. That's happened in a few games. That happened in the Davis game. It's happened in the Eastern game. Um, surprisingly, the uh, the the Tech game was like that. Um, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we're seeing that happen regularly. So it feels like the the scheme and the game plan is good, and they are ready to execute it when they come out of the gate. It's the adjustments that the other team makes that kind of puts the Wildcats in a bit of a lull. Uh, the second and third quarters can be a bit of a grind. Turnovers are have been an issue, um, and that's the thing. But the thing that impressed me was the fourth quarter in this game against Eastern. Because, yes, the Wildcats did score, you know, throughout. They scored in every single quarter of this game. Um, but but it was 24-21 it was going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. And that, that game was in doubt. And sitting in the stands, you were like, oh, this is, we've, we've got this. And then all of a sudden, it just blew open. Well, and I'll say this too. Eastern did a great job. Like they, they came out and changed schemes, you know, uh, they, they, their passing game was made to beat Weber state's strength on defense. They were in fact, Brett Hine mentioned it in his article, his game write up that, you know, they, 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 they had to change it up in the third quarter and run some more zone and, 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 and make it so they couldn't run rub routes or pick routes or whatever you want to call it. Cause they were, so they were targeting him and it was working. Like it worked in the first and second quarter. And and those halftime adjustments um, are what really does does well for Weber State. Jay Hill is an absolute master at that. Uh, the coaching staff deserves all the credit in the world for that. And it is fun to see because we've we in, in seasons past, past couple seasons. Okay, um, I'm going to go back specifically to spring 2021, the the playoff game against the Salukis. Like Weber State started out quick, kind of had that lull. But that lull in the, the that late third, early fourth quarter never happened, right? Like they 
it, it, it didn't happen. But we've seen it every time this year where, you know, third quarter comes out and we're, we're nails, you know, we, we figure it out third and fourth quarter. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wanted to ask Dante about the, the halftime adjustments. And I, I think that's a huge thing for this team. And I think something that, that Jay Hill and, and coach mental and, and all the coaches really are, are doing very well is that they're, they're making the changes. They're, they're taking the punch. They're, they're throwing the punch. They're taking the punch. And then they're going for the knockout in the second half. And, and yeah. that's what good teams do. I mean, because we've talked a lot about the offense, but like the defense did not give up an offensive score in the second half, period. And we know how prolific Eastern is at scoring. I mean, they scored 35 on Montana State and, you know, narrowly lost by three. I mean, Wildcats held Gunnar Talkington to 198 yards. Guys, you know what Eastern does. Like this is those are good numbers. I think it just goes to show we've got the best secondary in the in the country. Yeah, we've got a phenomenal That's secondary. Here, here's a question for you both that I was kind of wondering. In your opinion, after watching teams, who who's the the, the big sky is so freaking deep this year? Yep. Who's better? Who, who's better in your is Davis a better team or or Ewash? Who's 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 the better team out of those two? I think that Ewash is the better team. And here's why, because the common opponent is Montana state and well, there are two common opponents now, Montana state and, and Weber state Eastern has played both teams better than Davis did in both cases, right? Davis scored what? 12 against Weber state. I mean, you could say, well, technically Eastern really only scored 14 because the Wildcats gave up a scoop and score that put them up to 21. Fine. Whatever. But still, Davis did not score a touchdown against the Wildcats. Oh, they scored one. They scored one touchdown against the Wildcats. That was it. And in the game against Eastern, it was the first rushing touchdown. The first touchdown that they scored was the first rushing touchdown that the Wildcats gave up all season. So when I look at the resumes and I say, what did Davis do against, against Montana State? What did Eastern do against Montana State? I think Eastern uh, looks a little bit better. And they've had a tough, tough schedule, guys. Like, they're going to end up with the toughest schedule in the country when all is said and done. Both of them are just... Uh, the whole big sky is a gauntlet. <laughs> and, and Eastern's paying the price for that tough schedule, right? They are. One win. They've got one win. There's no chance of them getting in the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, they'd have to run the table, and then I just don't see that happening. Um, yeah, and even they were, then, they'd be the fifth. If they run the table, they'd be the fifth team in. If if they if they were Northern Iowa, they could lose like three more games and still still be ranked in the top fifteen. <laughs> some, oh, some valley smack from Chappie. <laughs> so you never want to dismiss a team too early. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, well, guys, I wanted to talk a little bit about missed opportunities, though, because the Wildcats ended up, you know, leaving what I think at least 10 points on the field in the first half, you know, the touchdown that was not scored at the one yard line, which I was stunned that the Wildcats didn't punch that in uh, because they sent the battering ram, Chris Jackson twice and it didn't get done. And then the second, the the fourth down and inches, uh, it just, it was, I don't know. They smelt it. I think the direct snap was not the way to go on that one because they knew exactly what was coming. Right. And, So, but then also the missed field goal at the end, which I was surprised because Kyle Thompson is very good. We've talked about that on the show, how he is very Mr. Consistent is what we've called him. Uh, And that one was not, it was not, what was it? 39 yards. It wasn't terribly 34, 34 yard. You know, that's, that's well within his range. And, and, you know, Kyle Thompson has been very good, but missed that. Came back and hit a 49 or later. Yeah. But he just missed that one just wide. And so it was just like, man, Weird stuff, uh, but I worry because it's those kinds of things that happen that could potentially cost you the game against tougher opponents uh, because Wildcats leave at least 10 points, if not more. I mean, really, Eastern Eastern should have only scored seven points in this game because they fumbled the ball when they scored their second touchdown. They did. It wasn't a reviewable play. Desmond Williams recovered it. They did, They couldn't review it, so take those seven points off the board. And then the scoop and score shouldn't have happened. Should the Wildcats have taken care of the ball on that? We've had some snapping problems, right? And I think that that shows the issues that we had at, had at center, having to move guys around because of injuries. Uh, and so that's a learning process, right? But really Eastern should have only scored seven real points in this game. And, uh, and that's something. And the Wildcats have left at least 10, if not more 
on the field. Well, and, and that's what I was saying. There's still work to do on offense. That to me, that's that's what it comes down to. There, there's still some work to do, and they'll get better. Um, bright spot for me, however, uh, was special teams was amazing. I mean, yeah, Kyle Thompson missed did miss field goal, but you know we had we had a, we had a kick return for a touchdown. We had a successful yeah. fake punt. We had a forty plus yard forty plus yard forty nine yard field goal. Kyle Thompson this season seemingly has been automatic inside of forty yards. So it was great to see him hit hit a long range field goal like that. Um, it does seem like teams are kind of figuring out not to kick to Hayes Hadley on a punt or to 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 delay the punt. Like you'll notice, their their punter kind of did the rugby style thing to give his guys more time to get downfield and kind of force Hayes into 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 fair catching it. But but the, you know he, there was one or two times where he was able to flip the field and get twenty yards and 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 give us give us a good spot. So I special teams was absolutely a bright spot for me on Saturday. Yeah, a couple of Lo- you know. love the uh, kickoff return for a TD. That that was a thing of beauty. Uh, so I want to talk and, about that, guys, be- because uh, Abraham Williams, you know, g- he he has the hundred yarder, the house call. I think his nickname should be the Doctor because I don't think that's his only house call this season, folks. I think he's going to have more. <laughs> um, so I, I was going to ask. I mean, guys, do we have the successor to Rashid Shahid? Because man, Abraham Williams, that's not his only good return this season. He's had several where he has put the scare into kick coverage um, teams on the opposing side of the ball. I mean, he's looked really good. I, I, and he's I, hate to, I hate to say we need to, re- re- we need to replace her the next, right? Let him be the Abraham yeah. Williams. Who's going to be the Abraham Williams that he's going to be, Let he's Hadley be the returner that he's going to be. Let's, let's not compare him to, to, to ghosts um, of, of teams past, but um, I like where our return game is going. I've been critical of special teams. Uh, early on in the season, uh, I think those have turned around. I think we've got some of those those things worked out. Um, special teams have always been a, a staple of Jay Hill teams, and and I like that. You know, and you can only take what they give you, right? If if they're going to kick it out of the end zone every time, you're never going to have a return. If you, you know, so situational on each one. Um, but I like that our our coaches have the trust in the returners, and I like that we have multiple returners that can do the job if need be. Another thing I want to talk about guys was the, the run defense. So there are some tough teams coming up that really, they really know how to run the ball. I mean, I guess that's, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And you, and you know who those teams are. The Wildcats, uh, they gave up all like 80 something yards in the first half on the ground. And then they pretty much shut things down in the second half. Um, those second half adjustments, like you talked about, Sean, uh, really did a great job of keeping that to a minimum in the second half and, and making Gunnar Talkington throw the ball over the middle and you know work the secondary. Is that, is that going to hold against a Sean Chambers? Or is that going to hold against uh well, i'm trying to remember what the dude's name is at sac state right now uh he's just a beast but i mean do you guys feel or should isaiah fonse be back for that montana state game do you think that the run defense is good enough to hold because those teams are making their money on rushing the ball particularly the bobcats so i my feet my feeling is that we're going to game plan for it you know, like if, if we can, um, you know, Montana state's quarterbacks are not, they're okay. They're good I mean, on the, on the throw, right. They're, they're not phenomenal on the throw, but they're good. Um, looked very capable, yeah, you know, in that game against look, Davis, he, he looked very good throwing the ball. He did look good. But to me, to me, where, where Weber struggles against the rush and, and Talkington did it on Saturday, it's, it's when QBs break contain. Right. Mm. It's, it's, you know, we, we saw that we saw the, the kid from, from Utah tech have very similar success where he was the leading rusher. Right. Um, you know, Talkington had 36 yards rushing. Like he, he would get out of the pocket, get first downs to me. That's if there's a place we're going to struggle on rushing the ball, it's, it's going to be that right. Um, yeah, we're going to give up some yards. Um, but I don't think we're going to, we're going to game plan for it. We're going to game plan to, to be able to do that. I mean, the, uh, geez, why can't I think of the kid at Davis right now? The running back at Davis, who's, well, who's, who's really good. Yeah. Alonzo, Alonzo Gilliam, like 
he he got his, but he he wasn't amazing. He's never gotten his against Weber State, you know. So um, I think as uh, the defense will game plan for it is what I my feeling there. Yeah, because I mean, that's my uh, Don Chambers is making his money, right? He's he's breaking contain and just well, and and, Mont- and, and Montana's quarterback's the same way. Like that, 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 that kid, that kid actually, I think probably runs a little too much, right? He's, he's, he's getting out more than he should. You guys watch way more, um, out of, uh, out of Weber state games than I do. Um, but I'm, I'm going to share this with you and, and my, my professional mentor and friend, Patrick always used to tell me, we don't get our exercise by leaping to conclusions. Right. And, and so we, we, Chappie's exactly right. We have coaches that are game plan. I want to I want to give you this quick thing, and I, I I know it's early in the season. Red zone defense. First off, teams have only had twelve red zone opportunities against the Wildcats. They have only scored a touchdown in three of those. Okay. <laughs> teams get their yards. You you can eat all you want from the from the from your own goal line to the twenty. Once you're in the 20 against Weber State, it is lockdown, shutdown time. And our defense knows that. So I, I don't see literally 12 red zone attempts. Put that in contrast, Weber State's had 31 yeah. in five games, right? That is a superior defense. And it, it goes to the bend, don't break ethos that I think we've seen. This defense does not break. Let them let them chew up yards all they want. When it gets crunch time in the end zone and the field compresses, our defense is money, and my money's on them every time. Fair, fair, fair point. Uh, last question, guys, before we wrap up this segment was um, sacks. We talked about the Wildcats trying to get home a little bit more, and they did four four sacks in this game. And like we said, Talkington's got some legs; he can run. But uh, four sacks in this one. How are you guys feeling about that D line? I mean. Obviously, they've done a good job of containing the run um, and maybe uh, took a step forward in putting some pressure on the quarterback uh, this last weekend. What are your thoughts? Brett Hine also mentioned that in his gamer, that uh, that was part of the halftime adjustments was uh, looking to looking to blitz a little bit more, get the quarterback off of, on, on his heels a little bit more. And it worked. And, you know, our guy... Our, our our guy that we love, New Celestine, you know, he had two sacks and was yeah. was tearing it up, and and it's 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 great to watch. Our our, our D line's doing a good job. I I'm going to stop focusing on sacks. Those are the the premier plays you always love to see the quarterback go down and and things happen on that. I want to focus on tackles for loss. Um, the Wildcats, I'm pulling it up here. Um, I believe we had ten or twelve tackles for loss. Uh, in the last game against Iwu. Um, let me pull that up here. Um, Let's see, seven. It was eight. Seven, seven tackles for loss. Yep. I, I, think, I, I think that's, even if you're not getting the sack, you're stopping the progress of the offense by hitting them behind the line. So the sack is the glory play, but I think the, the better measure is tackles for loss. And we were stated leading opponents uh, 32 to 25 on the season in tackles for loss. Well, and, and what it does, it just puts teams in. It, it, the goal here is to not get like third and one, third and two, right? Like that's, yep. that, that leads to more success. When it's third and three or longer, the chances of them converting are, are much less than they are when it's three yards and in. And, and we're doing that. When you get TFLs and you read the play right and have them, you know, get them on second and 12 or, or, or what have you, like that that increases your chances of not having a third and short. Yeah. I was gonna say, well, and go ahead, Sean. Chappie to that point, Ewu was nine and 17 on third down. Um, and that was a lot closer in the first half than it was the second half. Um, there was one point when they were like uh, six of eight or something like that on third down. And you're just like, gosh, our defense can't get off the field. So that, that was something they cleaned up in the second half. Um, but you're exactly right. And that, that was, that was my takeaway from the game Saturday is, is our offense needs to convert third downs and we need, and the defense needs to stop them on third downs. that changed in the second half. And I think that led to, to the point explosion. Yeah. Well guys, the Wildcats get the win over the Eagles 45 to 21. Um, a good, a good result. Uh, and I think the Wildcats, you know, giving them an opportunity to just continue to work and improve, but also continue to get the dub. 
So Wildcats take the trip up to Portland State this weekend. And we'll talk a little bit uh, on our game day show uh, on Saturday. But uh, for now, let's move on to our final segment really quickly, guys. I have a segment called Wildcat 30 for 30. If you could choose a particular team from uh, the sports that I'm going to name to do a 30 for 30 documentary on, who would it be? So, guys, I want to start out with football, of course. If there's a team that you could do a 30 for 30 on, who would it be? I mean, the easy answer is uh, the year they saved football, right? Was that 92, 93? I forget what year that was. Um, but I, for all intents and purposes, Weber State football was going to go away, and and that was special. And the the, the community outreach, uh, the stories that you hear about coaches going down to the the Logan City Mall and and uh, and handing out tickets and trying to drum up support. Um, that's the story that that defines Weber State football in the history, and that's the one that I don't think many of today's fans know about. The other one I would do. Um, would be, um, and now I'm going to get in trouble because the name uh, escapes me. Jamie, um, Jamie Martin, Jamie Martin, quarterback, his yeah. career. Yeah. So uh, my mother worked at Nordstrom all growing up, and I, I spent most of my childhood hanging out at the uh, now, now gone Ogden City Mall, <laughs> um, watching watching Tiffany make music videos. Some piece, somebody's going to get that reference. Yeah. But uh, I get that reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, uh, but I, I do. I very vividly remember walking out of Nordstrom, uh, seeing uh, Dave Arslanian and some players, you know, out, out in front of Weinstocks, which was next to Nordstrom. I, I sound like an old person. I like having to describe all where everything was. But, you know, <laughs> seeing them in front of Weinstocks with a, basically they had like a, 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 a a tear out book where, you know, 10, 20 bucks, whatever they were charging, they would just give you, give you GA season tickets for the year. Like they were literally going person to person at the Ogden city mall. They were at, uh, again, me sounding old, the, the Ogden street festival. They were, I remember yes. them all there. Yes. Street <laughs> festival. Old school Ogden. Now, yeah. you know, uh, just had the same thing all there. And, and they, they worked to save Weber state football so that we could have, this today, I would love a documentary on that. If if I were to pick another football team, I would like to see uh, you know the 2017 team. That was I still to this day maybe feel that that is our best team we've ever had, and potentially the best uh, chance we had to have had thus far to win a title was that year. Um, we were just also new at being good that we didn't realize it. <laughs> so I would I would absolutely love to see a, a documentary on that team. What 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 year was uh, Ron McBride's first year? Was that two thousand five ish? Two thousand four? No, it was later than that. Was it later than that? I I think you could do something on that season because there was definitely a rejuvenation of excitement um, in that season. I remember going to his first game, and that was the most full I've ever seen Stewart Stadium. Uh, they, I think they, they packed they... seventeen thousand fans in for his opening game. No, there you go. Kind of went Sean, downhill you from right. there, but you were, but, uh, you were right, Sean. Two thousand five to two thousand eleven. Look at that. Yeah, nailed it. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. I gave a range, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I think there was a rejuvenation there. And talking about pre-Ron McBride, ninety-two to to two thousand five, post-Ron McBride, and the success that has come from that, and and Ron McBride leading to. Um, couple of down years with some coaches who shall not be named be named who may or may not have been alumni of the school putting I, us into a hole and then jay hill taking us down not a documentary per se but i i would love a 15 minute uh 15 minute video on the crazy that was God. alum who shall not be named oh i <laughs> <'Cause>, said it because <laughs> that like I, i've heard a couple of stories and i've i remember reading articles in the paper at the time about how he literally went out the back door and like i, I wow. there was there, there was some stuff going on there <laughs> yeah. personally i think the university should revoke oh, his yeah. degree <laughs> That's right. And so yeah. if, if we're saying basketball like if, if, if we flip it and we say basketball um for me, clearly the, the 1999 team, yep. the, the team that won, uh, beat North Carolina in the first round of the NCAA tournament, 
um, nearly knocked off Florida in the second round. That would be, but that, that's the no brainer to me. I mean, the whole, everything that happened after that with, you know, Harold Arsenault, is he going to go to the NBA draft and not? And he decided to stay a year and probably cost himself quite a bit of money by doing that. <laughs> but uh, that. yeah, I mean, there, there, there's, there was so much there with Duke fans buying Weber state gear. Um, it was just, uh, so we've talked on this show before about those, those landmark moments, right? The, the snowball a couple of years ago is the most recent to me landmark moment that there, there are those nights that you're there that make you a fan, but the nights that yeah. make people fans for life. And that, that, that night, that night they beat North Carolina literally was the moment that I became a fan. I mean, I had watched them the whole year. My brother-in-law was I remember sitting in, in my parents' basement with all my friends around watching the game. My brother-in-law who's older than me was, you know, was down there and he's like, who are these guys? And I'm like, man, they've like beat like almost every team in the state this year. They're good. Like watch that guy right there. Arsenal. He's good. And so the, the whole, so whole night story, that unfolded was just amazing. The funny story. We're literally walking out of the stadium on Saturday night and we run into Chris Ferry and Jared, who runs the tailgating Weber Twitter account. And uh, my wife came to football first time in several years that Carrie had been to a football game. And, uh, uh, we, we did a homecoming date, which was great. Thanks to Carrie for coming out. But we're walking out, and Jared tells Carrie that he literally watched that 1999 North Carolina game in Carrie's mom's basement on a wow. random thing that just random happened to be over there. This <laughs> is before Carrie and I even met. And they're watching the Weaver State game in my in laws' basement. It was fantastic. Great, great story from Jared. Um, if I'm doing a basketball one, uh, Colby, I want to do one on the three years that was Phil Johnson. Um, probably the greatest three-year stretch of basketball for any coach in the state of Utah. Um, the guy came in and won. He was conference champion, I believe, every year and was gone. And and just the that started the legacy of really quality coaches coming to Weber State. And until Randy Ray... I really think with the Weaver State job was seen as a stepping stone to bigger and better things. Randy Ray kind of became the, the Lavelle Edwards, if you will, a guy that was happy at, at Weaver State and stayed there for a long time. Um, and and victories and, and all the honors that go with him uh, being there. But uh, the, the three years of Phil Johnson in the 1960s, I think, are kind of lost to history and, and were some of the greatest teams in Weaver State that we've ever had and, and the success there really laid the foundation for the total success of the program. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Phil Johnson's, it just the whole Phil Johnson story in itself is, is interesting because I mean, he was, he was a dang good NBA coach. Like he was a good coach. And then, you know, he was a coach of the year. He, he was yes. coach of the year, of the NBA an award and, that uh, Mr. Sloan never got. No. And then, and then just, it looks like uh, 1975 was coach of the year. And then just at a certain point decided he was okay being Jerry Sloan's wingman. Like that is, is the most interesting thing in the world to me. So guys, um, for me, I'm with Chappie, the 2017 football team. I think that's probably the best team that this, uh, that we've ever produced at Weber state. Um, you can say, well, what about the high water mark of the 2019 semifinals? Yes, of course. But, um, that 2017 team is the was the most competitive against JMU that we've ever seen, and they were minutes away from minutes, knocking them minutes off. away. Yep, in uh, in Harrison. So, uh, and then for me, hoops. I want to document on the 1959 uh, Junior College National Championship team. I don't think that people realize that the Wildcats have a national championship. The, the trophy is still at the D. You can go see it. They were national champions in 1959 before the Wildcats became a four-year institution. But um, I'd like to I'd like to hear about that or the Dick Mata years. I want to hear about that. So um, let's uh, let's go really quickly, guys, through the schedule. Um, like we said, Portland State this weekend. Uh, that game will be Saturday, October 15th, 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on ESPN Plus. Then Saturday, October 22nd, it starts to get real. Wildcats take the trip up to Bozeman to take on Montana State and their terrific run offense. Uh, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for that one, ESPN Plus. Or uh, I, I heard that a bunch of Wildcats are taking the trip to that game. And so if you are taking the trip up to Bozeman, you could be in some good company. Um, Bobcat Stadium will be full. Uh, then Saturday, October 29th, Montana comes to town. And folks, 
get your tickets and show up because Montana Grizz fans will be showing up. I think somebody said in an estimate that there will probably be at least 2000 Grizz fans in the stands for that game. Uh, they're probably right. There may be more. So make sure you get your tickets for that Montana game. Saturday, October 29th, Mountain Standard Time. You can get your tickets at WeberStateSports.com or ESPN+. Plus. We had 10,700 in the building on Saturday, guys. Uh, would love hey. to see that or more on the 29th. Kobe, I, I have a question. I know that the, the Montana playoff game is kind of seen as one of those high watermarks and best, best atmospheres that we've ever had for Weber State. I've got to think, if both Montana and Weber are still undefeated when that matchup happens... That's a top ten matchup. In, That's a top in five stadium, matchup. Top five matchup in Stewart Stadium. That uh, I think that would rival the playoff game because that is, in essence, would be a playoff game. Yeah. Well, and it's and, and and honestly, it's it's going to be better weather, unless we get a like the, that. The snow game was amazing. Like the, the the fact that we won and everything are surrounded that, but like the crowd that night were the hardcores, right? Like yeah. there were not, there were not too many casual fans that were hanging out on a snow, a, you know, whatever that weather was, a, an English countryside snowstorm. I don't know what the, the fog was. So that, and whatever it was like that, there was the diehard. So the, this game, that, that Montana game, I think almost regardless what happens, it's going to be a big game, no matter what, like it, it, at minimum, it's going to be a two top 10 teams, right? Um, that's going to be, crazy and the you know if the weather holds out like it has been it's going to be a, a great fall late fall afternoon and there's going to be people there like there's going to be a whole caravan of people from missoula and if we're not loud they will be loud like they, be loud. they they will cheer on what they will cheer and make it loud when we have a third down and if we don't do stuff it would they will out out voice us so what, what what do we need to do to have some sort of roadblock at idaho falls <laughs> I, what I was going to say about I, uh, about um, about Pocatello actually was that when they played Idaho State a couple of weeks ago, that um, they had the Grizz had two full sections of Holt Arena filled with maroon. You could see it on. TV. And I don't I, I don't think there were two full sections of orange painted <laughs> so so that's that's what we're talking about folks so make sure you get your tickets bring your friends and family show up get loud october 29th the grizz come to town and i fully believe that whoever wins that game will have a share of the conference championship uh then finally uh saturday november 5th sac state comes to town uh this could potentially also be another top five at least another top 10 matchup at that point uh 1 p.m mountain standard time tickets at weberstatesports.com or ESPN plus if you're like me and are out of market. Uh, SAC is an interesting team guys, because a lot of people are really high on them. And um, it's so funny that we, it's so funny that we're not as sold on them as our big sky podcast network cohorts. Yep. SAC was, was ranked number one uh, this week among our big sky podcast network friends. And, uh, and so there's something there. Uh, I don't think any of their teams have played SAC yet, but, just watching and seeing uh, what what the Hornets have done thus far. Um, they appear to be, be the real deal. So we'll find out what they're all about. And they're better on the road. And they're coming to Ogden. So uh, there's going to be something. I will say this, since Sean is is, is representing the Big Sky Summer Camp. Um, the conference is amazing this year. And it's fun to watch. The conference has put out good content. Shout out to the conference as a whole, the head office and the teams, this is a highly enjoyable season to, to, as a fan, you know, it, it is, it, it, I, it's incredible how deep the league is, you know, how many, how many teams we're getting in the playoffs. It's fun every week. Like this is a gauntlet and it's, it, it's prime football. Uh, be a fan of it. Cause it's amazing. So we'll wrap up the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, state weekly, gmail.com. We've got our Patreon. I want to thank you again for our patrons supporters uh and then uh, weaver state weekly's blog i'm working on I, I started working on my uh recruiting tracker today and so i've been following some folks some 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 official visits have been going down and so we'll likely be doing some interviews and posting those to the blog or something like that so uh be be watching that weaver state weekly blog at weaverstateweekly.com um guys appreciate both of you for doing the show tonight um we'll wrap it up like we usually do weaver state weaver state great 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 Go Wildcats. Oh!